Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. You're listening to the first and only podcast dedicated to the business of pharmacy. Hear from independent pharmacy owners, leading entrepreneurs, political strategists, healthcare technology trends, career coaching, interviews about our pharmacy industry, and more. Be sure to subscribe to the show via iTunes and leave us a voice comment from our contact section on the website. You can find all of our episodes at pharmacypodcast.com. This is Dr. Scott Chelson, Director of Student Transitions and Assistant Professor at NSU, and you're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast. Hey, Pharmacy Podcast listeners, listen, this is an amazing opportunity for us to continue to learn together. And I'm fascinated by innovative science and different things that pharmacists, pharmacy organizations are doing to press what is a new science and leveraging better patient care. You know, everyone that's listened to the show, how fascinated with pharmacogenomics I was. Also, medical cannabis and how the advancements of those studies are really changing things. Uh, Joe Friedman from PDI Medical has been on the show three times to really share what and how medical cannabis is being used throughout our country and how the barriers and walls are coming down around that. And I'm very, very proud and interested to hear from our guest today on the Pharmacy Podcast Show, Dr. Scott Chelson, Director of Student Transitions and Assistant Professor at Nova Southern University. Welcome to the Pharmacy Podcast, Scott. How are you? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much. So based on the Twitter sphere and what is the intersphere and the interwebs, I ran into a really interesting uh, debate that you've set up, which is very hot right now in its, in its entire concept. And the great state of Florida, which I'm spending a tremendous amount of time with my incredible employer, Colonial Management Group, which is really fighting at a national level the world of drug addiction, opioid addiction, in doing it in ways that no other organization is really attacking it. And because of that, and because of my sniff of the interwebs, I ran into the medical marijuana debate and medical panel that you've set up. I really want to hear about this because this is exciting. It's coming up October 21st at 11 a.m. There will be a link to signing up for the webinar, the debate online, uh, down below in the show notes. But Scott, tell us about this. What is the medical marijuana debate and medical panel? Sure. Uh, well, I'll jump right in. I mean, I was asked to go to a medical marijuana symposium at Nova Southeastern University, and it was a it was just a, a curiosity that the school had and some some in, in individuals at the school had, and I wanted to take a look. And what I found was that there was a lot of one sided stories going on. And so after going to many meetings from the pro side to the opposition side and hearing medical panels, I started to see that politics were intertwined and questions were not being raised and there wasn't dialogue being opened up to the public. So I I felt that it was my job specifically um, and as well as our job as professionals in the healthcare industry to open the dialogue and constantly educate the market because we're asking patients to buy into certain products or we're marketing certain things and we're asking them to not say why. I want people to say why. I want people to understand. I want the curiosity to be raised and I want people to really understand what is going on, especially from a political standpoint. It's our job as well to bring up social issues, especially when they're related to healthcare. 
That's really interesting because if you think about this, imagine every single new pharmaceutical that ever entered the market was required to have some kind of public debate with good and bad on both sides or pros and cons on both sides of the release. And imagine the effectiveness. As a matter of fact, initially, I think the manufacturer wouldn't like the thought of it. But if they really thought through, it would help to vet the public's trust and interest based on the transparency. So I really like the fact that you're setting up this panel. Uh, tell us about what you're kind of trying to balance between the pros and cons of leveraging what is medical cannabis. Well, let me just start by saying, you know, many times as pharmacists, and I, I don't want to generalize, but in general, um, many pharmacists go with the flow. And, you know, instead of creating value, I feel it's my job to create value. So again, coming from the pro and, and opposing side, my biggest goal here is to educate and show what each side has. I mean, we're seeing commercials on the pro side and it's all benefits. We're seeing things on the opposing side and it's all negatives. You know, it's about children and edibles and so forth. I just want people to really understand what the policies are, what the amendment is, what, you know, most people don't even know what an amendment is. They don't understand it's part of constitution. They don't understand, you know, some of the issues that are associated with that. But on the other side, they don't, they don't put a lot of trust into the legislators, nor do they really contact their legislators until there's something that we only need in our pharmacy industry. We don't realize how these things like medical marijuana trickle down into putting pressure on us as healthcare professionals. You know, the, the situation at hand right now is that the physicians are not going to be writing prescriptions. They're going to be writing recommendations. And the reasons that they don't want pharmacists to dispense is obviously is because of federal conflict. Um, I guess you could say, and maybe I'm jumping ahead here, but my solution to this would be to have a pharmacist type of MTM service so that we can ensure that a pharmacist is involved, uh, that we're looking for medication errors, we're looking for medication interactions, uh, and we're really consulting with our clients because it, at the end of the day, when those patients have side effects or, or if they do, um, we're there, we know what's going on, and there's database. See, I believe that this amendment personally, is going to open up research opportunities in the state of Florida. Now, whether it be the amendment or a legal, you know, a, through a law, um, that's decided out of my hands. That's not in my hands. I'm not a politician, but I am very aware of what the consequences are of an amendment or not. Uh, I guess you could say my take on this is that overall, I believe that medical marijuana needs to be studied. And if this is the way that it's going to get done, then so be it. So I guess you could say I'm trying to be unbiased as possible, but I do want to see this grow, for, you know, move forward and, and really get the education out there. So I'm going to back up, going to go up to a 30,000 foot view at a national level. And just to let everyone know, um, the DEA approved a first ever trial of medical marijuana for PTSD in veterans. And this was reported in Santa Cruz, California in April of 2016 and basically it said that the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, the DEA, has formally approved the first ever randomized controlled trial of whole plant medical marijuana cannabis as a treatment for postpartum stress disorder in U.S. veterans. See, the thing is, if you take anything, any medication, uh, let's just choose one. Let's say some kind of pain medication by pain <clears throat> by certified pain doctors in the hands of a doctor who cares in a in the hands of a physician who's teamed 
with a pharmacist who cares, the outcome of that therapy for that specific patient in pain using whatever, uh, insert medication that you believe is, is relevant here, is going to be extremely effective versus the physician who is um, tired, uh, has too many patients per day, is running the gauntlet of everything we know that the pressures on doctors there's so much pressures on doctors today they write the prescription because the patient's in pain they give it to the patient six months nine months later it continues to be written 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 what happens the patient becomes addicted next thing you know now they have to go into rehab 18 months later so and that's a real i mean i i've i've fast forwarded reality by the way because that happens in many times so in the hands of a physician who understands the stress of ptsd in a veteran and leverages what comes out of this study and sure enough teams up with possibly a pharmacist who also understands it there's an outcome that's going to be very different than possibly some rickshaw organization in the state of Colorado who is just setting up a dispensary and anybody can walk in and out with their medication or their cannabis or whatever. I think in the hands of true medical, caring, passionate healthcare professionals, medical cannabis is going to do some absolutely amazing things. And that's my bias. Well, I can chime in on that as well. And, and let, let me let me start by saying if, you're, if we're going to call it medical, let's stick to the way that medical is processed now. Let's stick to medical providers. Let's stick to statistics and analytics because that's the most important thing moving, moving forward in our industry. You know, medicine is a practice. We can't practice if we're nilly-willy just giving it out and anybody can just grab it or recreational use. That's not studies. That's not going to get us the effects that we need. And there are lacks, uh, there are a huge lack of study, which is why it's very amazing to see this. You know, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals Court in uh, California actually judged that the DEA could not prosecute or should not spend money prosecuting individuals with medical marijuana license or dis- dispensing. Um, and I can tell you from a personal situation, pain is a very, very evil thing. And uh, it can, like you said, make people addicted when they do get on these medications. My own mother was addicted to medications. Uh, she was very, very sick as I was growing up, and she ended up passing away because of the fact that uh, she took too many narcotics and had uh, respiratory d- uh, depression. So I understand this from a personal level. I understand this from a logical, a political a social level. And I agree with you. I think that this is a beautiful thing. I think that we do need, though, to ensure that we open the dialogue, that we need to make the comfort level between our providers open as well. You know, I, I worked in oncology for two and a half years and I had a different oncologist come up to me and whisper, hey, what do you think about marijuana? And I said, what do you mean marijuana? You know, and I would I would shout that out because I wanted to see their discomfort. And it's only because they were friends of mine. But, you know, they said, wait, shh. And I said, no, we need to open the dialogue. We need to talk about this. You know, if it's something that's that our patients are coming to us for or our patients are curious about, we need to either be able to shut it down or open the dialogue for further research. Because if not, our patients are going to go and do their own on their own. And that's the problem. We need to be able to control this industry in some manner. And I think that putting the autonomy in the providers, physicians' hands is a big part of that as well. Yeah, we were just talking before we got started with the show, uh, Scott, about the dangers of Dr. Google 
and how anyone that wants to find specific information on just about anything and the variants that they're looking for will probably find it if they know how to search well enough. So putting more factual information out there about medical trials and studies is extremely important. And uh, the Minnesota Department of Health, for example, is also doing several clinical trials, and they're uh, looking into medical cannabis for Crohn's disease. They're looking for it for uh, seizures in, in children, and they're, they're basically breaking down the properties of the oils and how the THC levels can be monitored and managed and dispensed correctly based on weight, based on sex, based on disease condition, and it's going to be put through the gauntlet as it should be. And, and I'm not all pro-medical cannabis without the research, just like you. I don't believe it should be um, nationalized at a medical level until it goes through the correct trials. But as you've said, and as you, we've pointed out, the opposition sometimes is just as blind as the pro side of it. So having blindness on either side of the coin isn't good. We have to come to a middle ground. And I think that your panel, and I think at the the event on October 21st, the medical marijuana debate and medical panel is, is, do, is going to help pull out exactly that. So let's break down specifically. Tell us about Pro Amendment 2 and what that means for the state of Florida. So the Amendment 2, as it states, is an amendment. Um, and the idea is that we're going to be able to open up what many people in the general call pot shops, um, where doctors will be able to recommend the medical marijuana to their patients. Um, I mean, ideally, the reason that they went with the amendment, and this is obviously not, I'm not the campaign manager here, um, but the reason that they said that they went with the amendment was a lot of legislators were not moving on this. Uh, there was a Charlotte, there is a Charlotte's Web in law here in Florida, but the problem is that the oils themselves are not always beneficial to all cases of the diagnoses that they are stated to be treated, uh, treating. Um, with the amendment, though, again, it does open an issue for many representatives on the opposing side because it is in the Constitution. It takes millions of dollars in order to reverse an amendment or raise the uh, legislation in order to fight an amendment. So there is a lot of issues associated. There's a lot of issues on both sides, um, but there's also a lot of benefit. And I think that's what we lose out a lot of times when we talk about politics and representatives. And that's why I pulled on the medical panel here, because if we don't speak about the benefits and the issues and come to compromise here, uh, then nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to get situated. So I'm sorry to go a little bit beyond just the amendment question, but I think that's an important factor. And that's also why I brought on an MD, a PharmD, and a PhD so we can get a perspective from each of the, uh, I would say, three top uh, people that I know that are speaking about this uh, amongst their students or amongst their audiences on a regular basis. So um, I do think that we'll see that the dialogue will open up a lot of issues and benefits and we'll come to a compromise. Uh, and that's why I hosted this. I want to see that both sides are able to open those, open that dialogue and, uh, again, educate the market. That's terrific. I think that there needs to be uh, different gateways, um, literal gates between uh, medical cannabis and the patient. First gate um, needs to be that physician the physician that understands the leverage, understands the medication. I think that there needs to be technology set up 
I don't know if it's a mobile app. Maybe it's integrated with an API into your EHR system. Regardless, I think there needs to be some kind of qualifier that you can place in basic demographics about the patient to see if, in fact, there's even candidacy for this. And then once the uh, prescription is written, I think there needs to be another gateway between the dispensary and the patient that is guarded by a PharmD and being able to kind of take that medication therapy management approach to this. And I think if we have these types of gates set up, we'll really curb abuse. And um, this is, from my perspective, it's a medication that should not be abused. And I don't really think it should be recreational, just that's my personal opinion. I really think it would be better as an actual leverageable medication for certain disease states and different conditions. And I'm hoping that eventually in our lifetime, we'll see a nationalization of standards and levels of of proof through medical trials and come to some type of um, happy medium, per se, that's really governed by our medical profession. Well, and and I'll, I'll, again, chime in on that. You know, the fact is people are going to do what they want to do, right? Like we can't control what people do outside of a, a hospital or a clinic. But if we can create that trust where patients are able to talk to us because we're opening that dialogue up, we'll find out more about our patients to be able to better treat them. We're looking for quality outcome. But if we are making our patients feel as if we are police officers, they're never going to speak to us. And that's what I think has been lost over the years. You know, I I speak to my grandma all the time. She said she used to go to her pharmacist for her primary care. And then if it was really bad, her doctor would come. You know, where has that gone? And that's that truly is my question throughout all of this. I I like to mention that our dean, Dr. Daziel, has been so open to this conversation because she feels that we as pharmacists can create our own value and that we should be leading like I said, social issues like this, political issues like this that affect the healthcare industry. So I like to really give my own silent round of applause right now for the dean because, again, without her and without the uh, opportunity here, we would not be even talking about this. And that's what I, I think is an amazing thing is to have people that are innovative in this space. Uh, the Sun Sentinel has been amazing, uh, even though they are in uh, pro you know, of this amendment, uh, just as CNN or Fox News is pro for one of the candidates. Um, they've been amazing to open the dialogue and be unbiased in the sense of this whole conversation at this point. Um, you know, they, they obviously are endorsing a certain side, but in terms of moderating, I just think it's an amazing thing that we could get the the, the publicity out there via their portals and their platforms. And, uh, and with you, I mean, what you're doing here on the show is just amazing because you're opening the dialogue. You know, you're creating this awareness for other individuals and other professionals, which is the most important thing. We need to all feel comfortable. We need to feel good about talking to each other. And there needs to be a route that we can explain conflicts. You know, if there's an issue that we see arise with our patients, we need to be able to talk about this. Dialogue and networking is the most important thing, I believe, in our healthcare space today. So if you're listening to the show and you're listening after October 21st, please look in the show notes how to connect with other healthcare professionals who are subject matter experts on this subject. I'm going to be listing uh, listing Joseph Friedman at the bottom too because he is in fact very in touch with what's happening at a, at a state level in the great state of Illinois, but also at a national level. So I'm going to list some resources down there in the show notes. If you are listening to the show and it's not past October 21st, make sure that you sign up for the webinar, the, the web version of this, so you can listen into the debate. 
which is October 21st, 2016 at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, brought to you by Nova Southeastern University Health Professions Division. Scott, this is amazing. I think that you're an innovative PharmD care. There's passion in your voice. We're going to have you back on the show, by the way. I think there's something brewing here that uh, we can tap into, uh, Dr. Scott, uh, on the uh, Pharmacy Podcast. Well, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. I just urge that more pharmacists, more healthcare providers get out there and be part of politics, be part of social issues, and really start to see change rather than let change affect you. Uh, Open up opportunities. And again, thank you so much for this opportunity here. And thank you. You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Show. If you're interested in attending, once again, October 21st, 2016, the Medical Marijuana Debate and Medical Panel, and we thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Pharmacy Podcast Show. Be sure to subscribe to the show and send us a voice message with your ideas and comments from our contact section on the website. Did you know we develop digital health content to assist with business development and marketing efforts? Learn how we can help you drive more patients, physicians, and targeted leads to your website. Contact us today at pharmacypodcast.com.